How's everyone doing? Is he? All right, we want to keep getting the energy up. Okay, so anyone tired here? Raise your hand. Be honest. I'm not going to pick you out one, on, one by one. Mark's going to do that, right? Um, okay, well, receive this, all right? I want to pray for you. Those who are weary, those who are tired, those who are sleepy, receive this. Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name that you would bring your life and your energy to the party. Bring your life and your energy to the party. Bring your life and your energy to the party. Bring your life and your energy to the party. Receive it, claim it, live in it, worship in it, believe in it, step out in it. We want to keep getting the energy up. Receive it, claim it, live in it, worship in it, believe in it, step out in it. Bring your life and your energy to the party. Bring your life and your energy to the party. Receive it, claim it, live in it, worship in it, believe in it, step out in it. Receive it, claim it, live in it, worship in it, believe in it, step out in it. Okay, now we ready? All right. So we are, we are coming to a close on our series on the divine scrapbook, the pictures of God that we see in Scripture Remember, Jesus encounters so many different people groups, and when they leave that encounter with him, what picture do they paint for us? And so we've heard several different messages on this, and it's actually been a really fun series, at least for me. Anyone having fun with this series at all, or are you hating it? A lot of indifferent people here. All right, it's okay. Well, anyways, I know uh, as preachers, we're having fun because this is a challenging topic because really... You know, we get eternity to see the true picture of God. We get eternity. Imagine, it gives me chills thinking about that. We say that word, and really, what does that mean to us? We have no idea really what eternity is, right? We can say it, and we can conceptualize it. We can go, in theory, I know it goes on and on and on and on and on. But really, has any of us experienced that? No. But we get forever and ever and ever let's try another, and ever, to, to really grasp and experience the true picture of who Jesus is, of who God is. So it almost seems like an overwhelming task to try and do that in three months. But God has been highlighting some key things he wants to say to us here at Bridgewood. That's what I believe. And so today what we're going to do, um, I want to keep it simple today. And the reason why I want to keep it simple is because the person that we're going to talk about today, though he's brilliant, though he was ahead of his time in thinking, though he could probably um, outmaneuver us intellectually anytime he wanted to, this particular individual kept it plain and simple about who Jesus is. Now was, is. And that's Mr. Paul. Paul the Apostle. I mean, when you think about... What kind of picture of Jesus does Paul paint? That could be, take forever, right? How many are Paul fans? Do we have Paul fans here? Okay, the man is insane. And I mean that in the slang sense of he's just crazy. He's just an amazing um, testimony to God's transforming power. So what we're going to do today is we're going to start from the end, the punchline, and then we're going to move backwards to the beginning. 
in case I do a terrible job at this, I want you to know what we're trying for. Is that okay? <laughs> so, when we think about Paul, there's one thing I hear when I read the scripture. Now, remember, we can go many different directions with Paul. Paul has changed the landscape for us. God has used Paul to change the landscape of Christianity. Remember this. You would not know Jesus if it weren't for Paul, most likely. Because he's the one that was charged by Jesus, I mean, from his very moment of transformation into glory, his very moment on the, the road to Damascus, his call was to the Gentiles. And we would be considered Gentiles, unless you have Jewish heritage or you're Jewish here, but you would be a Gentile. And no one was really preaching to the Gentiles. And so Paul was the one that really started that. So that's almost 2,000 years that the, the work the Lord did through him, that's how long it's affected this world. Isn't that amazing? And that's not about the person of Paul as much as it's about the message of Paul, who Paul is talking about, who he's preaching about. And so if we simply... If we simply want to know, what is Paul's picture of Jesus? This is all we need to know, if this will work, which it never does, right? I feel like, all right, Steve, run it. That. Take a good look for a minute. Take a good look. And what do you see? What do you see? Let's open up the floor here. What do you see? Sacrifice. What do you see? There's somebody on a cross, yeah. What else? What do you see? Light. What else? Atonement. Throwing out big words. What else? Strength. Is that what you said? Strength? Strength. Redemption. What? Love. There it is. Those are all right. But love. Paul simply, when he's writing to the Romans, when he's writing to Corinth, Ephesus, it's all based on this. So all, all the, the fascinating wisdom he brings, all the stuff... Holy Spirit does through Paul. All the things he says that blows our minds, the things that we can't fully understand. I do what I don't want to do, and I do, do, do you know, it's all do everywhere, right? And you, <laughs> it's so confusing, and you have to read it 50 times to finally get what he's saying, because he's, he, he can say things so brilliantly and poignantly, you have to think about them forever. But when it comes down to it, Paul would say this, I would break down everything. I would rather know only this than anything else I know. This is the most important thing to know is Jesus crucified. And when we think about Jesus crucified, you've got to think about the resurrection attached to that, okay? It's never absent of that. It's a whole kit and caboodle, right? Is that the right phrase? I can't believe I just said that. I don't know if I've ever said that, all right? It's Minnesota. I said oofta the other day, too. What's happening? And not even on purpose. It was like a knee-jerk reaction. But what you see right here is Paul's message. Now, Dave just said, love. Oh, a billion things have been done on love, right? Um, we just had this uh, ARC gathering um, 
at, uh, where are we here? First Lutheran and uh, Redeemer Lutheran. Gosh, there's a million Lutheran churches in, in the Midwest. It's crazy. Redeemer Lutheran Church. Um, Greg Boyd was a speaker, and he was talking about scandalous love. So I just got done hearing all about love. And so we hear it all the time, but we have to understand, if you're going to get any picture of God, this is what you have to get. We talked about this a few months ago, that this is the picture. And this is a picture Paul paints. But when we say love, we have to understand what that that means, actually. Because it's not, it can't be contained in all the love books, all the romance books, all the romantic comedies, all the love stories, all the Shakespearean stuff. It cannot be summed up in any of those things. The only way love can be summed up is what you see in front of you. Punchline, right here. So as we move forward, stick with that picture. Yes, all right, in 1 Corinthians, and even Paul makes this point, he says, when I first came to you, he's talking to the church in Corinth, and Corinth was in a bad place when Paul's writing this letter. There's sexual immorality going on all over the place, there's a worship of other gods, and this is even amongst the Christian church there, and so the church is being divided, so Paul writes, so we understand the context here. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. This is a sobering message, even though it's in the context of him writing to a church that has splinters through it, and he's talking about division going on, you will see this statement in almost all his letters and the sense of the spirit behind it. Because it all starts with this, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ crucified. I didn't have to use all this persuasive stuff and all this craziness and, you know, all this wisdom and human wisdom and all this. It's just the power of the Holy Spirit giving the message of Jesus loves you and that's why he died for you. It's funny, my, I was uh, FaceTiming my 85-year-old grandmother yesterday um, who's been here several times and loves what God's doing here. And so she, she wanted to talk to Gracie and Gracie calls, uh, Grace is my daughter, for those of you that are uh, visiting today, and she's two, and she calls um, her great-grandma, Gigi. And so she goes, could we talk to Gigi? Gigi. So my grandma can't help herself but, but sing to her the way she sang to us. And, and I'll be honest, when I was, it irritated me when she would sing to me. And um, because she was like the soprano, so it was like so high high up there, and I could never sing with her. Anybody try to sing with someone that's just, it's way up there, right? Trying to sing with Matt's like that. He can get in this range and, you know, and so she's singing, Jesus loves you, but really high up, um, and Gracie's going, he loves me, right? And it's all because of that image. That's where that stuff comes from, and, and Paul is Paul is making that point in every single letter that you can't look any further than the love of God. Because if you look past that, then you miss the most important thing. 
Now, for some of you, this is like, we know this. Yep, you do. How many of you have kids? How many times have you said something to your kid and they said, I know, and you're like, you don't know. Anybody? Right? How many know adults like that? Hey. <laughs> you know, I, I would suggest you do this. I know. No, you don't know. Let it go from here to here. And as much as we like to say we know this stuff, it's, it's hard to fully allow it to impact our hearts fully. Even for me, to this day, I was bawling this morning, I'll tell you about that a little bit later, about things that I wouldn't let in, the love of God let in because it was painful. It opened my eyes to something. And I wouldn't follow the Lord there. And I wasn't fully allowing him to love me in that moment. So we say we know this. Right? We know it here. Yeah? And so Paul goes, you know, I know you know this verbally, but you've got to really understand this. You've got to really, really, really understand this. So let me make this very plain, he says. I would forget everything except for Jesus Christ crucified. Because what that signifies is your value. And if you don't know your value, you're sunk in the water. You're not going to be able to move with him in the way in which he desires for you. You're not going to see yourself the way he sees you. I mean, think about it. We perceive ourselves a certain way and then put that perception, project that on how God sees us. Has anyone ever done that? Right? We talked about that. Sometimes we see God like this. Sometimes we see someone that doesn't answer our prayers, or this or that. If you've had a life of disappointment, how is God going to be any different, right? There's all these different things. But ultimately, you are loved beyond anything you can know. And Paul knows this. Paul knows this. He knows this better than anybody. Do you know why Paul is the grace guy? Right? When we think of grace, who do we think of? When we think of the guy that preaches grace in the church, we think Paul. Do we not? Why? His preaching on grace comes from something he, what? Experienced. And experienced in a way maybe most of us have not. Now again, we're going to work backwards here. We're going to go to Acts chapter 7. I've got the words up here, so if you just want to follow along up here. We have Stephen, who was is, who is, uh, tasked by the apostles to stay back and take care of the widows. And S- Stephen is just an amazing man of God. And he just gets done with this wonderful, hard word towards the people. And they're, they're ready to kill him. And they're going to kill him. And this is what, this is what he says. Excuse me, I think I missed part of this here. I put some up twice, huh? My bad. Um, bear with me here. In 759, it says this. As they stoned him, being Stephen, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord Don't charge them, being the people that are murdering him, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. And then we see doubly here. Um, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. So this is one of the first places we hear about 
Paul. Paul was Saul, then became Paul. Um, one of those wonderful name changes we see. And, and so Paul's watching this. He's watching a man stand in the love of God, knowing his identity. He's seeing it, and he's seeing a man who loves Jesus cry out very similarly to Jesus himself as Jesus was on the cross. Lord, forgive them, for they do not, what they do. They do not know what they do. And Stephen says almost the same thing. Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Paul sees it. Now, Paul, he was one of the best of the best. This guy had it all in the Jewish culture. I mean, he knew the law. He was passionate. He was charismatic as far as just his presence and what he was able to accomplish. He was one of the up-and-comers. He was a young guy, but he could throw down. And he's one of the guys that was going to lead this charge. And this is what we see. Uh, a great wave of persecution right after the death of Stephen began that very day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But, but Saul, that being Paul, was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Not to mention he killed some of them too. I mean, he, his mission was to seek you and I out and make sure we're either dead or imprisoned because we stand in the love of Jesus Christ. And Paul was assigned. It was almost like, you almost see it as he volunteered in a way. He was anxious. He was ready. He was in agreement. He was passionate about the call to eliminate all those who would say Jesus Christ is Lord. He was feared in all the land. Any Christian knew who Paul or Saul of Tarsus was. Because he was out to kill you. Okay? Think about that. I mean, I would say this is an, ex is an extreme transformation as if bin Laden were still alive and he came to Christ. Think about someone that kind of passion to see people eliminated. Okay? That kind of fear. Now this is why Paul, Paul's going to understand grace. This is why Paul's going to be the grace guy. And moving forward here, we see his conversion. We're just going to read a little bit of this, but he's on his way on the road to D Damascus, and he's, he's on his way to do more of what he does. And Jesus encounters him on this road, and this is what we see. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. And what we know about after this is that um, <clears throat> he was going to meet up with a man named Ananias. 
that God spoke to. And the long and short is Ananias comes and he confirms the word of the Lord that the Lord said to, to Paul. And he healed Paul of his blindness. And you know what's really amazing? As the scripture said further in chapter 9, I, I would encourage you to read, uh, well, the entire book of Acts. But go into chapter 9 of Acts today so you can see this. Paul immediately went out and preached the gospel. I mean, it wasn't long after that that he had disciples. The scripture says at the end of chapter 9 that he had disciples that went with him. I mean, this guy had an encounter with the living Lord, and it took him from being one of the most fearful people, one of the most feared, excuse me, one of the most feared men in Jerusalem and in the land to the one championing the name of Jesus Christ. You don't think... You don't think, think that he, he may have gone through a shame cycle or thought, felt guilty or thought of something? This is a man that went out to kill everyone who lived for the one he had an encounter with. Now, we've talked about shame over the last few weeks. We've talked about the guilt that can happen from our own past. Think, think about this for a second. Paul carried... His entire time, his entire time, this history, his entire time preaching Jesus, a history of killing people that love Jesus. Now, what we don't see in the scripture, we don't see a guy that is wallowing in his shame. We don't see a guy that goes, oh, no, no. He knows what he's done. But he knows even better what Jesus has done. So when we look at the picture of Jesus on the cross, that is Paul's everyday reality because he knows the power of what that means. It's not just, oh, we have forgiveness of sins. Yes, it is. But it is the greatest action and the greatest love story the universe will ever know. And he knows it. And he'll even attempt to write letters with using his his superpowers of intellect and all this stuff, but when it comes down to it, it wasn't doing what he wanted it to do, and so he went to this. He went to, the only thing I want to know is Jesus Christ crucified, because what it means is that I no longer have to live in my shame of killing Christians. I no longer have to be, feel guilty for this because I have new life, and it's a life I can't explain because who can? In a world with that was so legalistic, if you do something wrong, you're getting punished. He knows, he knows he should be punished. He knows he should be destroyed, but he has new life. And that's why he says, it is by grace that we are saved. You can't earn it. I know because I've done everything wrong in the entire book and I was probably the best at it. And Jesus said, I want you. I don't care who you are and what you've been through. That should give you hope. That should give you hope that there's no sin, there's no no choice, bad choice that you have made that is greater than the love of God. It can't beat the love of God. And Paul, that's his picture. That's his big picture. Now, he does a lot of stuff. He says a lot of things. But if you walk away with one thing, it's Jesus Christ crucified because what it represents is love that you can't explain and love we get eternity to experience. That's why Paul is going everywhere. He wants people to know this. That's why he is convinced. He says in in the language of his letters, he says, I am convinced. When we're convinced, it's because we've seen something. 
experienced something, heard something that changes our trajectory. Well, why is he convinced? Because a light came to him on a road in the midst of a murder mission and said, hey, I actually want you to use you to bring love and grace to the world. That's huge. When, uh, when I was still living in San Diego, there's um, a guy that was mentoring me named Jim. And Jim was, at the time, in his 60s, and he, man, he had that professor look. He had the bald head, and he had the silver Abraham Lincoln beard. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he's a professor of philosophy or something. And Jim, he would meet with me. He was a, um, a uh, psychologist, and he, uh, he was a professor at Penn State for, for many, many years. Um, and it's really funny, because God keeps put, putting me on staff with therapists. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But it probably says more about me than anything else. Um, but anyways, Jim would meet with me. He just felt the Lord calling him to me and likewise. And so we would meet, and I would leave my time with him feeling dumber than I walked in. Because he was so brilliant. He was, he, I mean, I couldn't understand anything he was saying. Honestly. I just shook my head. I just nodded. I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Really, me going to the grocery store is awesome. You know, you get to that point where you're just like, you're saying awesome to everything. Yeah, that's great. And you're not even listening anymore. So he says something stupid, and you're agreeing with it. And that would, that's what would happen because he was just so brilliant. And he just spoke so many wonderful things. But when it came down to it, this is what he preached to me all the time. And we even talked about how I couldn't understand anything he was saying. But he says, well, understand this. No matter what you do or how far you go, God's love for you will never change. It will never go away. You can't get rid of it. You can't run far away from it. You can't ignore it forever. It will be there. You will feel it. You will see it. And it's your job to embrace it. And so I said, man, you are one of the most passionate people I've ever met when it comes to Jesus. And he's, I said, why is that? So he tells me a story, and it was so eerie because it was very similar to Paul's. He was in a gang when he grew up, when he was growing up, and his mom was dying of cancer, and a pastor, the, the hospital chaplain, came in, and, uh, or it was her pastor, excuse me, it was her pastor, came in, and um, he said something along the lines of this, the Lord's disappointed with you, you better make amends, or else you're going to go to hell. And Jim is standing in the doorway, and he hears this from the pastor, and his mom's dying. That's one of the last things she heard. He was on a mission to destroy the church. He threw the pastor against the wall and he said, if you ever, if I see your face again, I will kill you. And he put people in the hospital quite often. And then he got his degree and he became a professor and he would debate top theologians and make them feel dumbfounded. And this guy was brilliant. And it was interesting because he was going to the library and he had an encounter with a librarian who soon became his wife where he met Jesus, and then he was on a terror for Jesus. And Jesus spoke healing into his life, and then he goes everywhere, and he says, if, and this is actually almost verbatim what he said, if you, if you can't remember anything re- except for this, this is what I want you to remember, is Jesus Christ crucified. He told me that like every day. Jesus Christ crucified, because what it represents is an eternal love for you that you get eternity to experience. 
I thought, whoa, the passion. He used to do this thing, and I can never do it because I don't sound good doing it at all. I feel, it feel, it's a corny thing to say, but he was, he, this is what he looked like every day. And he's like, can I pray for you? I'm like, sure. So I go over to Scott, and I'm Jim. Jim, Scott, I pray that you would soak in the lotion of love of Jesus. That's what he would say. I'm like, Jim, why do you say that? Because lotion, you can't, you can't get it off of you. It just soaks into your skin. So this little guy, little professor guy, and he's just, and he was a bodybuilder. So he's like this tall, and he's like, Ding, and he's like, lotion of love. I know it's weird, right? But he was so passionate about that. And I would say, Lord, man, who am I talking to? And I heard Paul's name every time. This was that kind of character. I was, uh, I want to close with this. Because I don't want to muddy up this message. It's simplistic in nature. And it's something that we, we need simplicity every once in a while, do we not? And we need repetition. We need to be reminded because going forward, you know, we're talking about the finances. We're talking about all these things. Our approach to everything in life should come out of Jesus Christ crucified, his love for us. So when we write a check, so when we, when we go and donate our time, when we do that, it's because of that. Not out of obligation, not out of fear. It's out of our love for him because he loved us first and he loved us in such a way that no one else, we've spent as long as, as long as humanity has existed, we have tried to put pen to paper to describe what cannot be described except through a, an image that is based off reality. And so um, this morning, I, and this is what I want to close with, I was driving on that holy road of 109th between Radisson and Lexington. Anyone see the sunrise this morning? Good grief. It was breathtaking. And you ever wake up and you're just emotional? Anybody? And you can read a Hallmark card that's the corniest thing you've ever heard and you'll start crying, right? I don't know if, I don't know if I'm, what is that when men have the shadow pregnancy when their wives are pregnant? What is that called? Sympathetic prayer. I might be getting that because I, she's crying at everything. I'm crying at everything. I don't know what is going on. So I turned to the 97.1. What is that, what's that station called? Uh, cities 97.1. Okay. What? Yeah, City's 97. Um, and before I knew what station I was on, I was hearing this conversation going. I'm like, oh, is this, this must be KTIS, but it wasn't. It was 97.1. And um, there was this uh, woman that represented the foundation called, uh, it's like Make-A-Wish Foundation, but it's not. It's like uh, wishes for something, I guess. And it does the very s- same thing um, in many ways as... Um, Make a wish foundation. And so she's tied, but it's here in the cities. And so she's talking about it. And of course, they bring on someone who's lost a kid to ALS. It's, and I'm, I'm going, oh no. And I'm feeling everything come on. I'm like, and you know what I wanted to do? Change the channel. Who's ever done that? You're like, I don't want to feel this part of God's love. Because it can be sobering. But when He wants you to see what He sees, that, that's love, believe it or not, even though it's hard. And I actually did switch the channel, but only for like three seconds. Because immediately it was like emotional lightning bolt. And I turn it right back, and this woman starts talking about her daughter, who she lost ten years ago. 
and she's, she's doing it really well. You know, it's been 10 years, but I, I don't care how long it's been. I can't even imagine. And so she's talking, and she's talking about her daughter, Emily, and they're talking about the wish that they gave, and she, she went to uh, San Diego, oddly enough, and I'm like, oh, this is freaky now. <laughs> Right? She went to San Diego, and they got to do all this stuff. She got to swim with the dolphins. They got to do all these things. And so they talk about all these stories of these kids and this, the president of this. And they're all volunteers. And this is crazy. They're all volunteers, and they run this, this, this um, charity that just does amazing things. But one of the things that just caught me Is that this woman can tell you every single person that they helped, every single one, and then tell you every single family member. Because what they do, they don't just go after the sick, they go after every family member. And they love them the same way that they would love the sick person. So if I'm giving a gift to Roland here, all his family would get one too. Entire family. And so when this woman is sharing about her daughter, the, the DJ lady, she says to the president lady, she goes... So you still keep in touch with this woman, the woman that was sharing about her daughter. Oh, yeah. This is what she says. And this, I, I started sobbing because this is what the cross is all about. When you look at this, when you look at this image right there, this is what, this is what the woman said. Okay, she said this. We will never, ever let them go. Just because we helped them one time doesn't mean we're out. We are going to love them and tell we're no longer around to love them. And I thought, what am I preaching on today? Oh my goodness. What is going on in my own life? Oh my goodness. What does shame make us feel like we can't be loved? What is, you know, and, and then we're hearing, you know, you go to a conference, right? And you've got all these guys that are theological thinkers and they're like, well, I don't agree with that guy's theology. Well, I don't agree with his doctrine. And I don't agree with this. And, and I even get caught up in that at times. But bottom line, we try to, we try to intellectualize everything and outthink someone. When it comes down to it, it's all about what we see here because this says, I will never, ever let you go. Ever. You want to know the picture of God that's painted through the life of Paul? There it is. Right there. There it is. The image that will haunt you for eternity in the best way possible. I will never, ever, ever, ever ever, ever, infinity, infinity, let you go. It will always, my love will always be there. It will always be there. For some of us here, we need to hear that word today. No matter how far you may feel from him, he's never going to let you go. He's never going to quit. You might want to, but he's never going to. So what I want to do is... <clears throat> We'll have the prayer teams up here, and this is just, I'm just feeling this through the Spirit, so it's not planned. Um, and when the band gets up here, and we'll do our offering. We haven't taken offering, right? Okay, we'll do our offering, this and that. But I want to invite you, and I'll come back up um, after offering, and I want to invite you to respond to this. Because there are some of us, and this is a hard thing, there are some of us that have sat in a church pew for years and years and years and have missed that. Have missed this. And that's not to create shame. That's to say today's the day we're on our way to Damascus and God's intervening. 
So if that's you today, I want to invite you. And we can, if it's too hard to come up the front, you know what? For not anything, we're flexible, right? For anything, we're flexible. We can put prayer teams in the back. I don't care. I want to make sure that you're ministered to. I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to say with someone that will pray for you, pray in your life and hear you, I am ready to step in with Jesus. I am ready to experience the fullness that he has for me. If that's you, whether you don't believe him or you have for years, but you've just missed it, it's your opportunity. Here's an opportunity to do it. And we want to love on each other the way Jesus loves on us every day. And that's by being available, saying, I am here and I will never let go. And that's what we're to model. So today we're going to do that. If no one comes up, no one comes up. But we're not going to be discouraged. We're going to continue to give this invitation. We're going to continue to say that God is there in the midst and he's ready when you're ready. He's ready when you're ready. And even if it's saying you want a a freshness of his presence or you want to be aware of his presence, whatever it is, we want to engage that this morning. Can we do that? Okay. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. Oh my gosh. You just... Words just seem so feeble right now. But we love you. Just ask that you continue to shower us with your love and grace. I, I not, we would have the courage to accept it. We'd have the courage today. If we've been missing you all these years, now's the time. It's a fresh start. Ignite our courage this morning in Jesus' name to engage you. So we pray a blessing over the offering. And this is another opportunity for us to engage you. (laughs) This is so much more in money. And so we search our hearts and say, Lord, what what do you want to do in us and through us? Everything we have is yours. And I pray that we continue to step into that that everything we have is yours. And so we ask you to bless this, the offering. We, we ask that you would bless Bridgewood uh, financially, relationally, kingdomly, Lord, that you would use us as a model of what authentic, godly, righteous body life looks like because we are walking with you. So we give you all these things. And Lord, we want to we wanna engage you this morning. Again, courage. And uh, we want to worship you with a reckless abandon and allow you to be God and to love on us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.